great day. We loved it. Fantastic. And for $100, oh my goodness. My friends couldn't believe it. Thank you so much. I'll, th- I'll have a little short one too. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. It was great to see Tim there and some of our guys that just didn't play golf, but they turned up just to fellowship and, and, uh, and my mate, my uh, friend, uh, golf mate came and unchurched, unsaved, loving it. And our guys were so gracious. Um, and he said at the end, that was fantastic. I, I want to come again. And so, well done, lads. Well done, lads. What a week it has been. I have a smorgasbord. Thank you, Pastor Julie. And um, I do have a smorgasbord. And Lord, help me uh, serve what I need to serve and leave out what I need to leave out. And um, how was yesterday? The weather? Oh, my goodness. A little headwind? Is that why I only hit 230 metres and you waited for the wind to die down to get 250 metres? Yeah. Um, let's just pray for a moment. Father, we thank you for the, the Spirit of the Lord that is here. Uh, it's by your presence, Lord, that we, that we uh, come into the house and, and we delight in you here now Ah, thank you Lord as I break the code of my laptop Father we thank you that you're here and we are here and we're meeting with you that's the idea of church we come to meet with the Lord and we do have fun while we do that but then there's a lot of seriousness that goes around uh, that goes with um, you know traveling with God and on, uh, this week at the Freedom did you have the photo of the conference? I did send it through the Freedom Conference just to touch base while I get my feet here uh, we did, we went down Sunday evening uh, to the Freedom Conference and Mike Connell specializes uh, like a doctor pre- with precision and the Bible uh, he, he brings people to an opportunity to come to the altar in repentance uh, and, and, and trade in their sorrows, beauty, uh, a, a, beauty for ashes, uh, ashes, uh, beauty for ashes. Um, and so it, it's a trading. Uh, you're like, this is what the, the, the kingdom is about. It's trading in your heartache, your despair, your, your depression, your anxiety. And, and the Lord is just so waiting and ready to want to bless us in, in so many wonderful ways. So that was the church. That's the, one of the original uh, churches in Darlinghurst. It's the Red Light District. Uh, our friends, Tim and Kira Lee Lowe, um, are, are down there doing a splendid job feeding the poor. Uh, they have, like what we have, C3 Cares. They literally give semi-trailer loads of food away, uh, Lismore floods, and, um, and, and especially to the inner city. And we were invited, of course, down there because we understand that dimension of ministry. Some pastors don't, but we do. And it's called uh, inner healing and deliverance. And people were really having some wonderful opportunity to um, be healed, set free. Who likes being stuck? Uh, I have to be honest, we've been sort of stuck with our church property. We've done some great stuff, the Elevation Room 
was a great moment for us to put that on because we always needed more kids space. That is the room off the back of the church. Um, but we knew the building needed cleaning and we really couldn't afford to do that, $10,000. Um, that's the outside and on the roof, which is, if you have photos, don't show photos, it's terrible. Uh, but now, uh, during the week, the, the building was cleaned by base jumper, abseiling, young people, tattoos, love heights, and they are up there cleaning the building of all the moss and the mildew, and they did such a wonderful job. And because it was the house of the Lord, uh, I think they reverently did it. They did it so well. And so your building, your church, is cleaned from head to toe. Amen? No more. Uh, some people do have a problem with mildew, uh, and I know there was some mildew on the side of that wall there. And uh, we love a clean house, uh, dear Lord. Uh, and so, and then yours truly, and Jamie, and Frank in particular, we have been extending the driveway and pathways out to the northern road. Um, and guess what happened? We got free m more material to make that happen. Um, but we're just um, waiting, and then we're getting three new containers for the men's shed this Monday and Tuesday. They're coming, refurbished. Um, and so the road will be sealed out there or the, or the car park will be sealed and eventually we'll have a two-lane road out that way and we're anticipating that for the soccer field uh, that we're anticipating on, on, on building uh, hopefully next year. So it is wonderful to be moving ahead uh, after being stuck and I thank the church for your faithfulness, your generosity, that we are moving again. Uh, we've got a great foundation, and look, we just need to keep building into the vision. Uh, the Freedom Conference. So let me just state a few things. The critical issue on the journey with God is not, am I happy, uh, but am I free? Am I growing in the freedom God gave me? And so it was wonderful to see people down at, at, at the Freedom Conference being set free from their besetting sins or even strongholds, things that seemingly hang off you and keep you sort of contained and stuck in, in, in some sort of uh, quandary, some sort of, uh, you know, funk uh, of life. And just uh, saw some great people being literally set free. Um, the journey with Jesus calls us to a life of undivided devotion to him. Thank you for that worship this morning. Can I hear an amen? And this does require that we detach ourselves and let go of those attachments that literally are holding us back from serving God and from surrendering to him. And yes, it is much easier to say uh, than do. But it can be done through the perfection of the Holy Spirit. I'm drawing closer to my message, and it's called the seven spirits. God is drawing, and I want to say this as a matter of fact, God is drawing near to his people in these days. Now, when I say these days, I'm actually saying the last days. 
but I don't want to trigger anyone because there's a great future and a hope for all of us. And young families, please invest in your children, invest in your health, invest in your life big time because there is a great future ahead of us. But we are in the last moments of the last days, if you know what I'm saying. And it's all to do with the narrative of what the Bible says towards the end, especially Matthew 24, the gospel. But Andrew, you did a great job on the bus on the way down. He did the devotion and basically uh, explained the narrative of the gospel message, didn't he, Jeff? And, and, and everyone just quietly listened and, uh, and gave him, you gave him the reason for living uh, with God, the purpose, the identity, uh, the destiny that we have, the satisfaction of life that we can have with him. You did that well, son. So give him a hand clap. You did that well. And the other guys, Russ, and uh, I think there was Russ and, and, and Darcy, and Tim, Tim did a great job, man, sharing. There was four questions you had to answer in front of everyone, over the speakers, in the bus. I mean, you didn't know half the guys were on the bus, and each one of you guys gave glory to God. So give it up for them, Amen. Ready or not, the Holy Spirit is coming. I feel it more. I know this season, the church was birthed out of it. The Holy Spirit is breaking out of our man-made religious boxes and is showing up in diverse or inspiring ways. Who can say amen to that? Who's, who's experiencing any of that? Um, so let's pray. Let's pray right now. Father, we pray for fresh revelation from you, dear Father, this morning. Lord, I've, I've, Lord, I know I need to embrace the mystery as a necessary part of God, the mystery of the Holy Spirit, the mystery of the presence of God, the empowering presence of God. There is more. Just say that right now. Lord, there is more. Can you say that after me? There is more. Bible says in John 10, 27, my sheep know my voice and I know them and they follow me and they follow me. Lord, open our ears, open our heart to hear you this morning through the words, through the preaching, through the stories, through, Lord, this word that I'm giving this morning. We started to go to church in 1985. Liverpool Christian Life Centre in Liverpool Street was above a, a shop front and uh, about 120 of us and uh, that's where we started our journey and then they went on and they have five acres in Hoxton Park, big building and a large church, quite a large church. Um, but we used to sing, uh, I think Jules, we used to sing, Spirit of the Living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. We, we need to be singing that every day. Uh, now, just to give some understanding for new people coming into the things of God and understanding our Christian faith, God is spirit and his worshippers must worship or do worship in spirit and in truth. That's what we did this morning, John 4.24. And then it, there's a statement that says, do you know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And you can see that in 1 Corinthians 3.16. You are a temple. That's why we're very careful what we receive into our temple. Uh, what we watch, what we hear, what we allow. We, we're careful because our bodies are a temple of this 
Holy Spirit that we can have. Amen. God is Father, God is Son, and God is Spirit. Amen. God is eternal and God is spirit and God made man in his own image and likeness and at the innermost core of man's innermost being we have a human spirit which was designed for spirit to spirit. We have a spirit and we've been designed to have communion with capital S spirit. Uh, small s spirit in relation and in communion with capital S spirit God and the Holy Spirit a mutual loving communion with our heavenly father oh I love that 2 Timothy 1 7 says for God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of sound mind who loves that scripture Come on, this is what we need for this day and age. We need power, but we need an understanding that God is for us and that he hasn't given us a spirit of fear. I'm still seeing people drive around with masks on their face by themselves. I'm not sure what that is about. I'm not judging. But, dear God... um, I I do love the providence of God. God is for us. I I think that could be a a real key evangelistic message right there. That if we could explain to the world, God is for you. Calvin said, there's two graces. There's social grace just to be on the planet. Even if you're not saved, there's grace for you to live on the planet. That's why you see extreme sports guys doing crazy stuff, riding on ledges, you know, absolute drops on bikes on a track that wide and they think look how marvelous I am look at how ingenious I am no that is grace son that is grace you doing base jumping and flying under arches and and uh, that's grace look at me how you know I can do this and do that a lot of the time we need to know it's by grace that we traverse life, that we are able to navigate life. And then there's grace upon grace where you are in good stead with God. He's smiling on you. And you're able to do all sorts of wonderful things for God, witness for him, uh, lay hands and, and, and do well in life. And, and that is grace that God wants to give us all. Is this good, guys? I want to ask you this, do do you know the seven spirits rest on you, the seven spirits of God? They rested on Jesus, and I'll explain this. Let me explain what Julie was talking about first, because this is about being clothed. Jesus said, don't go anywhere, I think in the last chapter of Luke, he says, don't, just before he's leaving, he's giving his last sort of statements and he's saying don't go anywhere until you are imbued with power don't try and start a connect group don't try and save the world don't try and start a church until you receive the holy spirit till you are clothed with power that's what you got to get when you come to church you got to be clothed with power otherwise you're going to sit there and just be bored out of your mind if you're, if you're clothed with power, you're receiving God, you're 
God speaking through between what I'm saying and, and uh, you're getting subliminal messages. Uh, God's speaking through the words and you're not totally reliant on me, but you're in the pregnant pause on a Sabbath resting in God where God is beautifying you, healing you, delivering you, edifying you, encouraging you. Is that happening to you right now, guys? <laughs> or you just... I can't feel anything. I don't know what he's talking about. Well, that's fine. No, that's a real predicament. And I, and I uh, sympathize with that. I shouldn't make fun of that. Because I want to see you activated in Jesus' name. And I do want to see you clothed in Christ and feeling like... Can, you can tell a lot about people from the clothes they wear. Like even Andrew. Um, he, he dressed up with all his clean... Well, uh, let me get this. I'm not having a shot at you. But he purposefully dressed up yesterday in golf gear. He obviously brought new shorts, new top. Man, I was jealous. I actually dumbed it down a bit. I was wearing grey tennis. I, man, I, was, I should have worn my bright green, lime green. I do have one. But you look sensational, Andrew. And let me explain why Andrew did that. The clothes that we choose to wear often reflect our status, our values, even our priorities. I didn't know it. I didn't know Andrew could really play golf. I thought he was a you know, hit and miss, a hit and giggle. Um, but we found out that Andrew can drive a ball. He didn't tell me that. So I, I actually thought I was in good contention to, to actually take out the, the, the drive competition because I've been known to hit a long ball. But Andrew came prepared with clothes that... Uh, you know, that said, I have come to win today. <laughs> so you can tell a lot about the tell a lot about people from the clothes that they wear. The clothes that we choose to wear often reflect our status, our values, even our priorities. Andrew had a priority to win, to win. When it was shot down from one end that I just hit two two thirty. And someone told me, Andrew shrunk, his face went ashen white, because he'd only hit 150 by that stage. And I'm feeling rather chuffed, man. I think I've, I've got this. But I didn't realize it, that he ended up hitting 250. So at Hollywood red carpet events, reporters ask actors and actresses, um, who are you wearing? Who are you wearing? To find out which designer created the clothes that they are wearing. So even in the ancient world, clothing had a similar significance. It could reflect a person's socioeconomic status, mood, or even the character. Definitely, Andrew was carrying a mood of par excellence golf extraordinaire yesterday. You could see that. The New Testament uses clothing imagery to describe three different but closely related aspects of our relationship with God. The first one is, first it emphasizes our union with Christ that happens at our conversion. And I, I don't want to get into the teaching of this, but in Galatians 3, 26 to 27, you can see, see this. Therefore, everyone who has committed their life to Christ by faith has the status of having put on Christ. Put on Christ. Two, second, clothing imagery vividly portrays the transformation 
that results from our relationship with Jesus Christ. In contrast to living a life of disobedience to God and His ways, Romans 13, 13, Paul instructs believers uh, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make uh, not provision for the flesh uh, to gratify its desires, but put on Christ. Can you say amen to that? That's Colossians 3.12, if you want to tease that out. And third, clothing imagery describes the transformation of our bodies that will take place when our bodies are resurrected into immortality when we are dead and rise to be with Him. 1 Corinthians 15.53. Let's give the Lord a hand, man. Who's waiting to be clothed with glory? Amen. I want to ask you this. Do you want to walk in greater fullness of the Holy Spirit? I feel like I'm on fire inside. I think that golf game, Jesus is my savior. Golf is my therapy. And I loved yesterday. I thought it was a great opportunity. I had my, my friend, I call him my heathen friend, but just as a, as a, as a joke, but uh, I couldn't believe they'd made all sorts of excuses, but in the end he said, no, I think I'll come, and he was so glad he came, and he partook of the riches of fear, of just great camaraderie, and uh, you know, the joy, and, and, and just the style and the class that we, that we have, that, you know, it can get really ugly out there amongst people who don't understand, you know, that words hurt, because they really tear each other apart, my golf buddies, and I... I can only intervene so much before I, I would become, you know, a little bit overbearing. But they don't understand the power of words and they do mock each other. They critique each other way too heavily. And it was great to see my friend in this new environment where he could breathe and be himself. Because he does get mocked a lot. He talks a lot. He talks a lot. He talks... But yesterday, and Jamie did such a great job, you bought him a drink and you gave him the time of day. Thank you, sir. Let's give the Lord a hand what he did yesterday. That could be, that could be the, you know, the key to get him, get him going in God. I absolutely believe that. We've got to believe that we can get the, you know, the Great Commission fulfilled. Amen. There is a reformation, a transformation. Um, Society needs it, uh, and, and it's happening. Um, a great reformation and transformation is coming through the body of Christ that will awaken people in every sphere of society and then impact the nations of the earth. I want to explain what I mean by that, saying that. And I want to say this to you, to participate in this unequaled move of God, and I believe it will be an unequaled move of God, they're saying it'll be the third great wave of the Spirit across the planet, ushering in the greatest harvest of one billion people. Who wants to be involved in that? Why did God give us a church vision of a thousand-seater auditorium? Look, really, uh, wow, it, it stretches my imagination to see the church eventually built of a thousand seats maybe and to see that auditorium filled this in fact by the way visitors is just the stage the church was birthed out of a move of God where we thought it was the last move of God the last heave ho before Jesus came in a flurry of prayer and passion we envisioned a day when Aussies would be saved on mass. And your friends and mine and my golf mate 
coming to church, worshiping God and trying to find a seat, not in a small hall, but in a small, a large auditorium that could be a place of salvation, of people getting saved every weekend and God's saints being equipped for the work of the ministry and lots of great activities, including the men on fire and the women on fire for God and doing their various groups. And many multiple rooms are in that. If you have a look at the plans, the plans are extensive. But I tell you what, my generation, Frank's generation, been a big week. (laughs) We are going to do our level best to bring this church to a place where the next generation can take over and build into it more. What we have started... A thousand, this is, that wall is designed to come out. Those huge steel beams are designed to come off at the floor by bolts and to be removed, the veil to be removed and outward we go with a thousand, 1100 seats actually it is and that's in the council DA, DA, so thank you very much. I'm getting excited again for God. We're coming out of the box guys. See, domestic church is not going to get it done. Safe domestic picket fence church and lifestyle is not going to get the job done. We have got to get anointed and put on the robes of righteousness. We've got to be clothed and imbued by power to be able to witness like we did to the lady at the King's Cross fountain when Julie and I, with our little overnight bag, were wandering and Julia was saying, to, to me, I used to work down there in 1975 in Hare 2000. I was a 15-year-old, left, left school in the western suburbs because of bullying and because she was in show business and they used to see Julie on show business. Her school friends used to bully her and bash her. She had to leave early, so she got a job in King's Cross as a head to Italian um, hairdressers, phenomenal hairdressers, took Julie under the wing and trained her in this hair 2000 right in the hub and they used to protect her and look after her and we're standing there in that beautiful fountain in, I don't know if you've been there lately, but it's quite, it's quite clean now. It's, it's quite a nice place to visit the cross during the d- day. And so, <laughs> the day, <laughs> I'm not sure about the night. And so we're standing and a lady comes over and says, excuse me, are you guys uh, lost? You're looking for something. A lady uh, who said she was just about celebrated her 70th birthday and uh, she'd been there 23 years. She'd moved from the country into the cross. She said, oh, we're just... Huh? Rush Carter's Bay, but she was right there at the fountain of the King's Cross. Is that true? Yes, Your Honor, it's true. <laughs> so... I correct her enough, she's getting back at me. So, <laughs> I rest my case, Your Honor. <laughs> um, so, yes, and so a little bit of chit-chat, bit of chit-chat, and, and, and Julie eventually says, I've got a word for you, we're Christians, and are you, are you come up, Jules, just very quickly. How did that happen? How did that transpire? We're going from chit-chatting and then, of course, when the anointed one comes in proximity with people, the anointed one. <laughs> there's a dynamic that happens that you know you're talking about just general stuff, but like Jesus at the well, John, Gospel of John, chapter 4, 
Jesus standing with the woman at the well and uh, there's this dialogue and eventually Jesus flicks the dialogue around. Well, I kicked you. That's yeah, how yeah, I he felt that. It. I, I went, felt that. Shut up, yeah. I need to speak. Yeah. And then <laughs> I felt Any, that. Anybody do that in their relationships? It's like, <laughs> my turn, shut up. Because I knew I had so, a word for this lady. So I didn't actually tell her that I had a word because that freaks people out. So I just said to her, hey, are you lonely? And she just went, what? What did you say? She did and she too. was like really posh lady. She was, she was, she was from Rosh Cutters Bay. Like yeah, she was really classy. Yeah. And she said, what did you say? And I said, are you lonely? And I said, I feel like you've just got grief. Have you lost something recently? And she burst out crying. She's going, what are you making me do? Stop it. People are looking at me. She puts her sunglasses on. <laughs> she did too. She said, I just lost my cat. And, but really, I think she'd lost her husband a while before that, but I didn't go there. I just saw that she'd lost her husband. So I just said to her, oh, that's really, that's really sad. You must be so lonely. I feel loneliness on you. She said, how do you know these things? What's going on? I said, well, it's God. You know, God loves you. He wants to be, he wants to get to know you. I said, would yeah. you let me pray for you? She said, oh, I don't know. I said, just keep your sunglasses on. Nobody can see. We're behind a pole. And I just held her hand. And she's just sobbing her eyes out, and I just prayed, Jesus, come reveal yourself to her. Come let her know that she's not alone, that you are with her every step of the way. And I pray for her husband for this woman. She goes, oh, stop it. And then she really (laughs) lost it. It was so lovely. We had a big hug, didn't we? She said, if I've got an older brother or something. Oh, she, she did say, well, if you're going to pray for a husband, can you just see if there's an older brother? <laughs> and I went, back off. And then I just like, yeah, okay. All right, I need to make sense of that. Um, okay, so let, let's go to... Um, uh, uh, let me just back it up. To participate in this unequal move of God, we must align with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that rested on Jesus and lives inside of every Spirit-filled believer is what we need. And now my time is gone. I need to cut to the chase of what the seven Spirits of God is. Um, Let's go to uh, Isaiah 11, verse 1 to 3. Oh, dear Lord, you want us to understand the Holy Spirit, Lord, to release us into the supernatural lifestyle of witnessing and knowing what happens around us. Let me just pray for you for that as you turn to Isaiah 11, verse 1, 3. Dear Lord, you want us to have a greater understanding of the Holy Spirit, to release us into the supernatural realm of witnessing of knowing what is happening around us with every conversation, every contact of another human being. We pray, another soul, we pray that you'd give us understanding. And I'll explain how this can happen. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and strength. Another version says might. The spirit of knowledge 
and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord, and he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. There are seven distinct expressions of the one Holy Spirit. I'll say them again. Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of wisdom, Spirit of understanding, Spirit of counsel, Spirit of strength, Spirit of knowledge, and the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. Now, I'm just getting something on the run to help explain uh, Father, help me. Uh, yes. So, kings in the Old Testament were actually anointed with might and counsel. Counsel to be able to preside over their kingdoms. So, they were able to... Um, work and navigate with wisdom and understanding, with counsel, but how to regulate God's kingdom, the kingdom that they were given. So kings typically were given might. That means they were able to keep their uh, boundaries and, and, and hold back the enemy's plans. Might, strength. And two, they had counsel. They were able to work with other uh, maybe foreign kings that were a- against them and come to a, uh, a peace arrangement or, 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 or such. Um, Solomon actually had, a- as a king, he had might and counsel, but he had another dimension. Does anyone know what that might have been? He had wisdom. He had wisdom. And wise, wise man, a wise man had Uh, these two uh, spirits of the seven spirits, wisdom and the fear of the Lord. So if if someone said that they were a wise man, he had wisdom and the fear of the Lord, because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Amen. And Daniel, Daniel the prophet, man of understanding, um, and was able to write down the powerful end time prophecies, he had the anointing of understanding and knowledge, and knowledge of what was going to happen in these last days. And just for those people who want a little bit more, the menorah in the temple had seven prongs. The first upright stem, uh, that was, was Christ, and the six others were those seven spirits. So again, the Spirit of the Lord was the main stem, and the three Branches on either side were those spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, the fear of the Lord. And that is amazing. I only picked that up last night. Just as God is one but has three distinct personhoods, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit is one but with seven distinct expressions. Sorry, prophetic people. I've got to miss out on a whole bunch of great stuff that would have helped us by quoting some scriptures in Revelations. But I will quote Revelations 5, 6. He has seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. Um, Interpreting the symbol seven, because there's so many sevens surrounding uh, this imagery in Revelations, um, that seven means fullness, interpreting the symbols. 
You can put that up. Uh, seven means fullness. Seven horns meaning fullness of power. Seven eyes meaning fullness of insight, prophetic insight. Fullness of insight. So, how are the seven spirits carried into the entire world? This occurs through the spirit-filled believers. People that carry the fullness of the radiating presence of God. Amen? That is who you and me. And so, that vivid, this vivid illustration for us that demonstrates the omnipresence of God is about understanding the seven spirits of God. Let me quote this, Ephesians 1, 19 and 20. This is what must have happened for us at that fountain in the cross. And that lady just came up to us so easy. It was so wonderful and so easy. She was drawn to us because of this scripture. In the Passion Translation, Ephesians 1, 19, I pray that you will continually, listen to me, I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. So you've got to apply faith to your life, faith to Christ. Christ is where our faith is applied to. He is our goal. Faith is applied to him. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power. Is that right, Pastor Julie? As it works through you, I really felt like we were like the two witnesses, like in the, you know, in the, in the, in the, the two witnesses in the book of Revelation. We're just standing there, and, and the way we were dressed, you know, Julie and I dressed, you know, quite well all the time. And, uh, and, and we just slowed down. Instead of walking through that beautiful courtyard where that wonderful fountain was, we just found ourselves with our overnight bag just stopping and, just, and then starting to reminisce of Julie's uh, work back in 1975, right there when it was full of a lot of uh, ugly scenes. Uh, but now standing in this picturesque, this beautiful scene and just standing there and looking and gazing and talking... And that lady just came up to us and started talking to us. And guess what? If you get into our proximity, um, it's, it's gonna, we, we interpret that as a God opportunity, not just to have a chat. Because we did ask her, is hair 2000 down there? Yes, hair 2000 down there. All this little light chat. Chat, 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 chat. Oh, by the way, Julie says, as she said, I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power, which we had done in the meetings at Darlinghurst, available to you through faith, the faith that we applied because we're in the meetings, worshipping God, pressing in. Then through your lives will be an advertisement of this power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honour and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. Who's into that sort of narrative? Or is that too much? Should we dumb it down? Can we just dial it down a bit? How about we do the, the King James Version? Thou art mightily blessed. Oh, no, we we got to believe in this stuff because the world's getting quite dramatic and we need to have an internal dramatic life at least 
of interpreting the power of God, being clothed with power, to be able to, oh, I'm going to get to that. Please help me, Lord, right now. Let's do it. No, I can't say that. It's too much. Yes, seven spirits, seven spheres of culture. Yes, there is a great revelation of the seven cultural mountains. Today, the Holy Spirit in all his fullness is being sent forth into the entire world. Who can believe that? And just as there are seven spirits, we also find that there are seven cultural mountains where believers are to carry an impact into the driving ranges, into the marketplace, into the cafes. Wasn't that amazing? We, we overpaid. I didn't get the whole story yet, Andrew, but we overpaid for all those 31 meals we paid for. And we're on the bus. We're ready to go. The bus driver was very keen to go because he had another appointment. And the, the chef comes running down. God, what's the chef running towards the bus? What's happening? And he basically, knock, knock, knock. You've overpaid. You're overpaid. What? Andrew went running back with him. And thank God, because we were gracious with him and we had a laugh with him and we engendered this spirit moving at our tables with this beautiful head chef. He came running after us and, and bringing, you know, and, and, and bringing um, good news that, well, bringing the, the right news that we had overpaid. See, it helps matters when you bring the kingdom into these places where believers are to carry an impact and influence for Jesus. Okay, because the Bible says, go therefore all the nations, even down to Norwest. Wow, that place is a whole city down there. It's just amazing. So Father, help us carry the light. And I'm just praying right now for Iran, and they're, they're, they're bringing transformation and reformation there in the streets. You probably don't know it, but there's 40 million young people that don't want hardline Muslim faith, and they're bringing, they're trying to, first the, the, first the natural, then the spiritual, and they're protesting. They want freedom of speech. They want to wear clothes that, that uh, allow them to feel comfortable. And, and notice that they're, they're being made to wear these clothes that make them, you know, oh, but young people, young people want to wear clothes that make them feel alive. And, and, and so pray for Iran, please. Because the Bible says, go therefore into all the nations carrying the light of the world. And so what are these seven spheres of the mountain? Seven cultural spheres of the mountain is one, family. They're, they're, they're coming against the family, the mountain. We've got to take the family and, and we've got to... Um, We've got to declare the good virtues of being a whole family, a nuclear family. You know, the, they took our table away. They took the, the, the dinner table away where we used to eat and talk and the father and mother would talk with the kids. They took that away, giving us a big flat screen where the kids sit down at three years of age watching TV while they have, no, bring the table back. Bring the table back. Bring the table back. Turn the phone off. Put the phone over here. Sit and be present with your family at the table. And dear Lord, and fire that family back up in Jesus' name. The second mountain is the government. The government. Who knows that definitely Melbourne needs the kingdom of God down there. You know what I mean? And, and in our local politics and in the, in the federal politics. Three, education. Education. There is a... A, a, a battle for the schools in America right now. Now, uh, to the, the board, uh, the school boards, where it was quite open, you know, the parent can have a say. Now you've got pastors turning up. And they've been so quiet. The pastors, all this stuff happening. And they've been, let's be quiet. 
No, no, we don't want to cause any agitation. Now the pastors are going in there with their eloquence of speech and their determination of their, of their Judeo-Christian narrative and they're saying, my God, you know, and they're doing it so brilliantly. They're just standing for a five-minute, three-minute sometimes speak and, and they're coming at the school board, 15 people at the school board and they're saying, you, you're trying to indoctrinate our kids. Our kids should be here being educated, not being indoctrinated with, with cultural diversities. It has nothing to do with our kids' education. And I'm loving that. So what mountain is that? That is the mountain of education. And apparently if you go to Yale, I think it is Yale, or they say if you go in there as a Christian, you'll come out as an atheist. Every university, and all the universities used to be engendering Christian virtues. Now, now Eric Metaxas, great man of God, he says, the, the, the university he went to, I think it was, correct me on that someone, but he says, all my buddies that I went to, all my Jewish friends that I went to uni with, they all came out as atheists. So, friends, I'm speaking real to you. Be careful of the education system. I have to be honest. School's great. The teachers, I love them and we're praying for them, but there's a devilish doctrinal thing. Look at this. The youth's getting bigger than the church. Dear Lord. The youth's on fire. Adults, come on. We've got to invite some more people. We've been overtaken. They'll be playing loud music next. And For the next mountain is economy. We've got to, we've got to be careful of especially... The economy at this stage, it's, it's a bit hairy. Five, uh, church and religion, that's another mountain. Six, arts and entertainment. And seven, well, Julie was in show business all the years. And she laid that down, got radically saved in the early 80s. And then when I met her in 84, she was coming off the road, taking dance shows to five-star hotels in Malaysia and Singapore. Dickie, are you leaving us in January? Are you going to Sydney still? No, Good. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We couldn't take another Ross and Deborah Ossington departure. Man, you're our man from Singapore. And um, Julie was over there doing shows and that. And in 83, she came back with a sabbatical. Uh, but she was serving the show business world with her giftedness. You know what I mean? Got radically saved, laid it down. We joined a church in 1985, Liverpool Life Center. And the pastor said, You can sing. Did I, did, I, did I hear that you, you could sing? Yeah, but I'm not singing. I got saved. I'm not, and Julie stopped wearing makeup and fancy clothes. And it was like she became a hippie. She wore these long clothes that didn't want to show the profile of her body because she'd been so used to displaying a body. And, and uh, she said, no, I'm going to be radically bananas for Jesus. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to be just so plain Jane. And, uh, and the pastor said, no, but you've got to sing. You know, well, we can work on the rest of the stuff later, but you, you, you just sing, please sing. We've got to sing. The girl up here can't quite sing. Would you sing? And, and, so, and so Julie, on that mountain, arts and entertainment, began to serve the Lord with her uh, voice and give, her, give it up for Julie for doing that. Seven, media, media. Do the, okay, I'll finish it off. Do the seven spirits of God rest upon your life and ministry? The Holy Spirit wants to make his dwelling place within and upon each believer's life. Do you want more? I urge you to get to know the seven spirits of God. 
Ask the Father, ask the Father that the fullness of the seven spirits of God would rest upon you. I guess I should try and tell you at least what those seven spirits are. Um, now let's go through them quickly. Okay, from the top, the Spirit of the Lord. What's the first one? The Spirit of the Lord gives us freedom. Say freedom. freedom. Say it like William Wallace Bart. Freedom. Just imagine you got the paint down here. Freedom. That's what they're doing in Iran. Freedom. That's what the Spirit of the Lord gives us. Okay, what's the second one? And the Spirit of the Lord is where there's freedom. To, uh, I should back it up with a scripture, 2 Corinthians 3, 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and when the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 2 Corinthians 3, 17. Second, the Spirit of the Lord gives us wisdom. Proverbs 2, 6. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Can I hear an Amen. The Spirit of the Lord gives us understanding, Colossians 1.9. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. The next Spirit is the Spirit of the Lord provides us counsel, John 14, 16 to 17. I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper that He may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides in you and will be with you. Did you like that? The spirit of the Lord gives us power, Acts 1.8. But you shall receive, and that's power, might or strength, gives us power. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, even to the King's Cross and Darlinghurst area, the red light district, because the power of God is on you to shine brightly for Jesus. Can I hear an amen? And the Spirit of the Lord gives us knowledge. Some people have this gift marvelously. Julie had a word of knowledge for the lady at the fountain. Are you, what did you say? Are you lonely? Wow. And it shuddered her. I saw her visibly. It was like, my God. It was like she was shunted. She was, what did you say? How did you know that? And I tell you what, if you've got a word of knowledge for someone, it's a great tool. It's a great tool to be able to witness more of the love of God to them. These things I've spoken to you while being present with you, but the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all things that I said to you. And lastly, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Father, we come before you right now. We thank you for these seven spirits that they are, Lord, powerful spirits that, Lord, powerful gifts and virtues that, Lord, you bestow upon us. The seven spirits of God in the book of Revelation are thus a reference to the Holy Spirit in the perfection of his manifold ministry. Uh, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit from the Father. Let's all stand, if you could, please, just for a moment. Father, we stand in your presence, and as each one has heard the words of God, we thank you for each person here. Just for a moment, folks, just hold your seat, just pause. Thank you for the people that have come this morning. 
Not only does God provide salvation, He provides a helper to help us navigate our spiritual walk. You may have been feeling um, that you have not had that helper, that you've had no one to guide you, that you, with eyes closed, He wants to move in and through and out of your life, weaving together our trust, our obedience, and love while infusing us with wisdom, guidance, and whatever else we may need in a particular moment. When you're feeling powerless or tired, like you're failing at life, you can have confidence as Christ's follower that you are not alone, friend. You can rise each day knowing the Holy Spirit is there to help you because His ultimate goal is to help you glorify and reflect Christ as we work to do the Father's will. Him who is and who was and who is to come, seven spirits before the throne, Jesus Christ. We just pray now, Holy Spirit, come, rest upon us. Enable us, empower us, clothe us with power. Maybe just lift your hands and as a sign of surrender. It's a mystical life. It's a real life. It's a rational life. But it's, it's a life of stepping out your life in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Holy Spirit, I invite you into my life, my family my world to lead me, to guide me. If you're not sure of your salvation, if you're not sure if you were to pass away, that you'd be with Jesus. If you've been living with fear and anxiety and depression and you've lost your spark, you've lost your purpose, you've lost your destiny, your vision of destiny and you've been languishing, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you'd make Jesus Lord of your life. He's the way, the truth, the life. Jesus is the one who says, I have come to give you life, life abundantly. For whoever Christ sets free is free indeed. He wants to set you free to live by the purpose and the plan and the power of the living God. He wants you to gain traction. He wants to unstuck you. If you've been stuck, I pray that this morning, that this message has encouraged you to put wind under your wings, to gain altitude, to be able to lift your countenance again unto the Lord, to be able to lift your spirit and worship the living God. Your spirit was designed to be in communion with the Holy Spirit. Let every barrier, let every veil, let every stronghold come down in Jesus' name. 
why don't you open the door of your heart gently and allow the Spirit of the Lord in right now. But the Bible says if you confess Jesus as Lord of your life, believe in your heart that He was crucified, died on a cross, rose on the third day, lives at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus Lord, believe in your heart that He is, you shall be saved. I want to pray for you right now. Eyes closed, everyone in the house. I just need to see a quick hand for anyone whose prayer this is for. We're all going to say it together. But let heaven see that hand just momentarily, just lift it from the front to the back, from this side to this side on the count of three. One, two, and three. By faith, just lift your hand just quickly. Just lift it up. Yes, one, yeah, any others? please. Two, that's great. Any others? Quick, quick. There's a moment, an opportunity, a window of opportunity. Just lift it up. If you're sitting, that's great. Yeah, you're sitting down. That's okay. You don't have to do anything you don't want to. You can sit. You can stand. Just let heaven see it. Heaven sees is the all-seeing God, omnipresent. All right. That's enough for me. I've, I've had a big week and I could have went more, but I want to pray for you. This prayer will usher you into a permanent status of being a child of God. This will usher you across the threshold of fear and doubt and you'll come out and into the kingdom of God. His kingdom of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So Father, you saw those hands. They're coming home to you. Dear Father, you you are looking to them now you're smiling and holy spirit we thank you that you've brought them to this moment right now and jesus we love you for that great prize on the cross of calvary so prayer uh, pray this after me everyone in the house just say this this could be a first time prayer this could be a, a recommitment prayer this could be you're just not quite sure but you need to say the prayer but we're going to help everyone in the house say it all together father god I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe he walked the earth, performed miracles, died on the cross for my sin, rose on the third day, lives at the right hand of the Father and is praying for me, interceding for me, loving me. Jesus, Forgive me of all my sin. Wash me clean. Set me free. Remove every stronghold, every besetting sin, every iniquity, every negative word spoken over me, every soul tie, every generational curse. Remove it, Jesus, as I am born again Spirit-filled, Jesus, make me a child of God. I'm healed. I'm blessed. I'm your child. Love me. Lead me. Guide me all my days. Now, hold your hands up like this. If you're not used to this, it's all right. Can you see me? One sitting down, one standing up. Lift your hands like this. Now, say this. Lord Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. 
activate your seven spirits of the Spirit, of the dimensions of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I desire wisdom. I desire the Spirit of the Lord. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Lord, I desire understanding. Like Daniel, for the times in which I live are complicated. I need to understand why I'm here, why I'm living in this day and age. I pray for understanding. Lord, I pray for a spirit of counsel. Help me navigate. Help me give good counsel to my family, my friends, my business, my life, my health. Lord, I pray now for the spirit of counsel. Activate it in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for the spirit of power to be your witness. I pray for the spirit of knowledge, words of knowledge for my friends and family and people I bump into. Lord, that I may know what is the key under their heart. And Lord, now I pray for the spirit of the fear of the Lord, that it is the beginning of all wisdom. Let me be mindful of you. Let me be considerate of you. Let me be respectful of you. Jesus, oh, come on, church, let's worship.